0: Beautiful song. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do want you to be our firm foundation. We want to put our trust in you, not our talent, not our own strategic thinking, not our own riches, but in you. And we pray, God, that today we'll leave full of a deeper trust in you, especially as it relates to our wealth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Please be seated. This weekend, I just want to take a moment and celebrate some fun things that have been happening in Natomas. One is our children's ministry had a big old heck of a time at Olympus on Friday night. They had dodgeball. Parents got to throw balls at their kids. It was a blast. And lots, lots of people in our community were there that don't have a, uh, that, that don't have adventure as their home church. And we just love that. Our, our like uniqueness is to want to reach out and create community mm-hmm. in the Thomas. I was so proud of that event. Lots of fun. And then the next morning we had a men's retreat. This was our stepping up retreat, stepping up retreat and stepping up retreat And can I get the stepping up retreat back there? Thank you. So the men got up, and we especially want to thank our wives. Thank the wives who were okay letting their men be gone for the day. Thank you. I'm sure you enjoyed your Saturday. Hey, you're here today, and we're going to ask a question today, it, a couple questions. The overall question in the next few weeks is this, how do you be rich? How do you be rich? There's a lot of books written about how to get rich, right? We hear that when you're young, you're like, yeah, I'd like to be rich someday, right? How many of you would be honest? When you were young, you said, yeah, I'd like to be rich. That'd be fun. Okay, right. I'd like to be rich, sure. Once you get there, how do you behave? That's, I like that. I like that. Okay. Once you get there, what do you you like? What do you become? What kind of person are you? Believe it or not, today, no exaggeration, we're going to answer the question. Once you get there and you're rich, what should you be like? How many of you have already said, well, this does not apply to me today? (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. Wow. I get to take a snoozer today. Well, the thing about being rich that's kind of tricky is it's it's a moving target. So here's here's ten thousand, and you think I got ten thousand cash in the bank, I'm rich, and you think that's rich. Being rich is more difficult. I'm going to move transition here a little bit. Being rich is more difficult than you think. Rich people have challenges that that you don't have they struggle with things that you don't struggle with, okay? Here are a few. One is they're actually able to pay their, the way for their kids to go to college. That's stressful. They're able to pay cash for it. It's stressful. And then they have to coordinate a day where they go visit their kids on campus. That's stressful. How do you find time for that? Moreover, they have to work with their, their, their freshman college kids on how to decorate their dorm room. That's exhausting. What are you going to do with the dorm room? I don't care. Just, just do it. All right. That's stressful. The, the, being rich is stressful. For, for a lot of people that have a lot of wealth, they have so much money, they hire people to manage their wealth after they die. That's stressful. They've got to find someone they trust to make certain that their wealth gets distributed well and is well taken care of. That's stressful rich people they, they it gets worse they uh they have they have uh <clears throat> they have to deal with stuff like a kitchen that they don't like anymore so rich people they go into their kitchen and they see a countertop and they're like oh that's dated or or they or they look up at their cupboards and they're like oh those are those scream 1960s or 80s or 90s and they're like, that's 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 uh, we got to do something about that. And they look at their floors in their kitchen and their family room and like, oh, uh, this is awful. What are we going to do? When are we going to find time to do that? How are we going to get it done before holidays? And it's stressful being rich. It, for some ladies, not all ladies. I don't mean to generalize at all. But for some ladies, it's tough being rich. <laughs> And for men as well, but mostly ladies. You, know, you want to look nice. You, you, you know, it, there's this pressure to look nice all the time, and you go into your closet and you look in there, and you say, "I don't have." I mean, it's stressful. And the guy who's with you, the, your husband, he just he hears you say that, and he's like, Mm-mm. "Walk away, walk away." It's stressful being rich. And we men, we, we don't, I mean, we're, most of us don't care about looking that good. Uh, but we, we've got issues. We go out, we do things like, we, we buy houses, and we buy houses with houses. So we buy a house with a little house for our, our cars to fit in there. And sometimes we can fit more than one car in our, our house for our cars. Sometimes we can put two cars in our house. It takes a little extra cleaning, but usually we can put two cars in our, in our house for cars. And then sometimes we've got three, three houses for our cars. Ridiculous. And, and then we walk out and we look in our houses for our cars and we look at our cars and we say, Oh, that car's getting. I need a new, yeah. Oh, the stress. Can you feel it? The stress it's like, oh, or you walk out and you see your car, and that car is really dirty. Oh, do you feel the stress of being rich? The stress of being rich includes you know, do we go out to Bella Brew tonight, or do we go to Chevy's on the river or sauces? I don't, that's tough how do you that's a that's a 20 minute decision process. <laughs> You feel the stress. It's stressful being rich. It's, it, it's fresh, stressful being rich because you got, you got so much food in your house. You, it gets old. You got to throw it away to make room for the new. Huh. Can you imagine being a rich person? How about this? You, you got a guest room in your house. I'm, I'm rich. I have a guest room in my house. Yeah. And a guest bathroom. And the rule of thumb is you don't use either. But we have violators in our home that use both rooms. You don't want anyone to go in the guest room until the guest shows. It's, it's kind of a scary room. It's like the room that's supposed to be sterile and perfect. But you have guest rooms. It's a problem. Keeping it clean. Keeping people out of the bathroom. Who's in the bathroom? Chirp, chirp. Who used the bathroom? That's the guest bathroom. We don't use that. what? No, nope, no one. No one in this home. Oh, it must have been an intruder. Came in and decided to use the bathroom. The guest bathroom. Being rich is stressful. Lots of decisions to make. Do, do we go to Pete's or Starbucks? Do we go to Temple Coffee? What do we do? I don't know. This is stressful. So the question we're going to ask this morning, in general, is how, how to be rich. But the, the real question, the, the real engaging question is, are you leaning into your riches or are you leaning into God? And it might very well surprise you this morning that there are passages in Scripture that are written that Jesus wrote precisely for people with wealth. So if you know someone that's rich, this might be a message to share with them. Fast, just forward the podcast to them. In fact, I wonder, what if you had an opportunity to speak before some of the wealthiest people in the world? Okay, What if you had an opportunity to speak face-to-face to stand up before a group of a group like this of a couple hundred of the richest people on the planet, what kind of advice would you give them? Because you know rich people, they need advice, right? They, they're not doing it right, right? So I wonder, you may not be a public speaker, that's fine, but right now I'd like you to give some advice to rich people. What's the advice you would give them? But here's the trick. I want you to give that advice to someone you don't know here. So pretend like... You're going to give some advice to some rich people, the advice you've always wanted to give rich people. Not us, because no one here is rich, right? But I want you to give this advice to someone that's seated near you that you don't know and say, you're rich, you need to. Okay, it's okay to talk in church. This is freaking some of you men out. It's all right. Turn around and find someone and just say, rich people need to do this. Go ahead, right now, do it. Come on, come on. Loosen up. Liven up. Rich people need to do this. They need to do this. This is what rich people should be doing. Some of you are not participating. I can see you. Rich people need to do this. This is what they need to do. So I've said here... Thank you, guys. Awesome job. Put your hands together. You participated today. Or you thought about participating today. All right? So here we go. Where where are you leaning into God or to riches? This is an Andy Stanley message that I've made my own in his series called How to Be Rich. Not How to Get Rich. There's a lot of books written about how to get rich. This is how Jesus coaches people on how to be wealthy feel free to disagree with me on this one I hope I get some the problem with wealth is it's a moving target once you think you got some you think you need some more here's what a Gallup poll revealed if you you make less than a $30,000 a year household income according to Gallup you thought a $74,000 household income would be rich. Interesting. If you had a household income of between thirty dollars and $50,000, you thought $100,000 would make you rich. Nearly double. Interesting. If a medium income, if you thought you got to a $120,000 household income, then you'd be rich. And interestingly... Those top income earners that had a nest egg of assets of 2.5 million, when they were asked, hey, what would it take to be rich? You know what they said? I need 5 million. Then you're rich. The problem with wealth is that it's deceitful. You think you have enough, but if you're really gonna find deep security, oh and deep identity if you're really going to discover the kind of hope that you're really looking for the stack has got to grow cuz that's that's my identity that's my security It's a moving target. It's deceitful. The problem with it is that we spend all of our time trying to get something rich that we already have. And we never learn how to be rich once we get there. We spend all of our time trying to get something instead of become someone. We spend all of our time trying to get rich instead of how to be rich, which we already are. Most people that are in this room are already rich, globally. If you may have a household income, and not everyone does, I'm aware of this, but if you have a household income that is greater than $35,000, you're in the 1% globally. And so Jesus inspired his number one author on his behalf to write a few words that were specifically written for rich people. So if you know someone that's rich, you're going to want to forward this message to them. Instructions that are just for rich people. This is not unusual in Scripture for a particular group to be addressed the question we're going to ask again this morning is where are you leaning in into god or to riches the first challenge here from paul is this the first instruction on how to be rich and how to kind of gauge whether or not you're leaning into riches or into god is this he says don't be arrogant how did he know we'd struggle with arrogance well, how did he know that? Well, Paul, Paul actually was rich at one time before he had to lose everything. Let's, let's read this together. And then when I get to the yellow, if you'd read with me, you'd keep me from feeling alone and like you don't care what I'm saying. All right, here we go. As for the rich in this present age, in the life we live now, charge them not to be haughty. How did he know we'd struggle with that? He's pretty smart. Now, of course, I don't struggle with it. It's it's always the other guy in that restaurant, right, that's treating that table server disrespectfully. That person who thinks they're entitled to five-star treatment wherever they go. It's that person who drives like they're the only one on the road. That's me sometimes. It's, it's hard to see arrogance in the mirror. It's easy to point it out in someone else, isn't it? How many of you are like, yeah, I'm gifted. I can see arrogance in other people. <laughs> it's a talent. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real gift of mine. But pa- Paul's instructions to rich people, and you might know one, is, is simply don't be arrogant. Here's the crazy thing about and the deceitfulness of wealth. Here it is: As you get richer, you think you get smarter. You, you just think your IQ. goes up. You, you think you, you know more all of a sudden. like you go from a, a 110 to a 145, 150 all of a sudden. It's weird. and you you all of a sudden become an expert on everything. got to be hard as you get richer you feel more financial pressure isn't that weird so so you have a whole lot more assets you have a whole lot more margin and yet you feel more pressure that's kind of deceitful if others who had less income knew how much margin you had they would tell you 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 feel more financial pressure with that kind of margin? That's not smart. You need to relax. You've been deceived. Rich people can be deceived by financial pressure. How about this? As you get richer, you feel more superior than other people. Boy, if you, f- if you sense that ugly, dark creature that comes out of you that makes you feel better than others, you need to squash that. I'll tell you how to here in a minute. And then as you get richer, you think it's a reflection of something inside of you. So as your stack grows, you think, wow, I must really be good. I'm really smart. Oh, my word. I'm super smart. I'm, I'm superior. This is hard to say. Uh, I, I, and I must be really good because look at that. It's growing. So how do you deal with this haughtiness, this arrogance? Let's just assume there's one person here that might struggle with this, okay? Here's what you got to do. You got to have a conversation with yourself. Anybody ever have a conversation with himself? You got to do it alone because it's really weird when people <laughs> catch you. But here's the conversation you're going to have. Self. Why don't you say it with me? Self. This is just stuff you have. This is not who you are. Squash it. When you feel that arrogance come out, when you feel that pride, that superiority, that IQ that you think's going up, squash it. And say, self, this is just stuff you have. This is not who you are. <clears throat> Number two, first one, don't be arrogant. Don't be haughty. These are instructions just for rich people, okay? I'm talking about people that have stress in their lives. People like this. Can you imagine this being rich? There are rich people. I don't know how they do it. They are told by the companies they work for, you get two weeks vacation. We are going to pay you to be out of here. We're going to give you money to take two weeks vacation. You might even get three. Rich people have to figure out what they're going to do and they have to think about it for a whole year. What are we going to do? Are we going to go see the in-laws? Absolutely not. I mean, it's stressful being rich. You got to make these decisions. Your companies give you money to not work. Oh, gosh. Can you feel it? Put your hope in God, number two. What are you talking about, Jesus? What are you talking about, Jesus? You might wonder, why is he saying Jesus? Because everything Paul wrote was given to him directly by Jesus. Don't separate them. Then he continues. By the way, we're only doing one verse today. If you like to focus, that's where we are. Just one. One verse. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy hmm, akuna matata, now you are talking, right? Interesting. It's not either or, it's both and. What is hope? Hope is our confidence, our trust. It's what we lean into. What we lean into, that's what hope is. Solomon, a very wealthy man, said this, The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. Here's what can happen. I can start to find my identity and my security in my stack. And when my identity and my security starts to sink I just say, God, I need more security. I need more identity. I need you to build my stack because I'm not feeling very good about myself. God, others have bigger stacks than I do. I'm insecure. Make me more secure. Build my stack. you see why people get stressed out and get weird? <laughs> when you start leaning in here, you're going to be empty here. These are instructions for rich people. If you know someone that's rich, you might want to get this to them. It could help them. Can you imagine being the kind of person where all your confidence, all your security, all your identity is all based on your stack? Wouldn't that be weird? If you know someone like that, you might want to talk to them. So here's the question. Do you know how much money you would need for, for security personally? Turn to your neighbor. How much money are you going to need for security? This is a very tough question. Turn to your neighbor. This is a high IQ question. How much money do you need for your security? If your wife's with you, ask her. If it's the woman you want to be your wife, ask her. Just settle the issue. How much you need? If you came with a girlfriend, a friend, just ask them, what do you need for security? How much? Give me a number. Come on, just, I know you don't want to be here, and the coffee wasn't good. I want a number. So here's the answer. Ready? Here's the answer. More. Real simple. Just more. Because here's the deal. Once the stat gets here, you're going to need more. Once you get to the 2.5, you're going to need five. And then you're going to feel poor because there's others that got 10. Oh, it's just hard being rich. Another same rich guy, Solomon, said this. Whoever loves money never has enough. Huh. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied. Ooh, that wouldn't be fun to be around that person. They're never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. Paul continues. Nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Huh. What you talking about, Willis? What you talking about? What is Jesus trying to tell us about the gift? The blessing, the Father's generosity. Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Do you know why there's not a more sensitive topic we could teach on here at adventure anybody nothing competes for your heart more than money it's the number one competitor that's why this is tough if we were talking about the dodgers it would be easy this morning <laughs> This is tough. Why? Because it's after your heart. It always will be. It'll always be after your heart. You might say today, I don't care about money. Okay, you're going to have an opportunity to give today. Let's see how well you do. (laughs) How you doing? So how do you deal with this, this necessary transfer of hope? When I'm tempted to lean in for identity and security on my stack that's growing, how do I how do I how do I accept the stack as a blessing and lean in for my security and identity on the stack grower, on the gift giver, on the one who blesses? How do I do that? Gotta pray. Gotta pray this prayer over and over. Here it is. Let's say it together. My hope and trust is in you, and I'm not going to lean on that which you've blessed me for my identity and security. Hmm. The psalmist, Asaph, Psalm 73 said the same thing. The earth has nothing I desire. My portion is you. The nearness of God is my good. And that whole psalm, Psalm 73, is written about coveting, what other people have. And he says, I almost slipped because I couldn't get my eyes off the stack of others. So you gotta pray. You gotta pray this prayer. This would be a good lunch prayer. God, I'm gonna find my security and my identity in you. Not my stack. How about this? Not my talent, not my looks, not my job in you. That's good living right there, folks. That is good living. Final piece of this verse. But on God who riches, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So is God a a downer? Absolutely not. Does he want you, if, if you're rich, does he want you to be like depressed about it? Absolutely not. He wants you to enjoy it. But he wants your identity and security in him, not the stack. Some of you don't look very happy right now. You really don't. Come on. How do you do this? You've got to recognize the source of your wealth is the giver. Who ladies, who gave you the incredible husband you have? God. Not quite as much enthusiasm there as I was looking for. <laughs> kind of, it was kind of a, kind of like oh, God. <laughs> men, who gave you the incredible lives you have? The Lord God. Yeah, that's all right. Volume can change. That's our job. We just do our job, don't we, men? <laughs> uh, who gave you the job you got? Did you get that job just because you're smart? <laughs> Don't ask for any opinion on that one. <laughs> uh-uh. Did you get that job just because you work hard? It's part of it. Not everything. What about the house you live in? Remember how hard and amazing it was that you even are under a roof? Who gave that to you? God. Who's growing your wealth? God. Who wants? Where's your identity and trust? That's it. You want it on him. So the question is that we're going to answer now in a more detailed way. This is a little litmus test. Where are you leaning, into God or riches? I'm going to ask you four questions. Four questions to help you know where you're leaning. You ready? First question is this. Which of these two statements creates the most anxiety in you? One, there is no God. What does that do to you? What if I told you there is no God? How do you respond? Do you say, "Oh, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm working. We'll, we'll get through this. I'll be all right." Or do you say, "What do you mean? My whole life, I've. There's not a day that's gone by that I haven't thought of Jesus. There's not an hour that goes by that I don't wonder, Jesus, how do I serve you better? I thought that when I thought that Jesus' spirit was living in me, His resurrection power was living in me. What do you mean there is no God? I thought that. This life was for the purpose of being used by Christ, maximizing my talents, being a compassion distributor. What do you mean there is no God? I thought that when I die, I get to see Jesus face to face, just like he is. First comes death, then I'm with Christ, just like that. What do you mean there is no God? Where's your hope? Which of these two statements creates the most anxiety in you? There is no God or there's no money in the bank? Who spent the last 20 bucks in that checking account? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Who spent it? Somebody spent the money. Talk up. Who, what, did you spend? Did you? What? What's going on? Did you, did you buy that app? How much was that app you bought this week on your phone? What causes you more stress? There is no God? Or there's no money in the bank? When there's no money in the bank, do you say, wow. Huh. It's going to be a slim month. But I got you, Jesus. It's a good month. Yeah, I'm going to have to do a little better next month, but I got you, Lord. I'm good. Or are you like, we need to to bring in some security here. We got to change this. Kind of lose your cool? Only in my house. I'm sure never yours. Okay, number two. Does the fear of not having enough hinder your willingness to give generously? We've talked about it this month. Do you know who is out giving Christians nationwide? Non Christians. Christians are giving to nonprofit, excuse me, non Christians are giving to nonprofits out of their household income 2.5% average nationwide. Christians are giving are headed towards 2% of their household income that they're giving. I hope, I hope I said that right. Non-Christians are giving 2.5%. Christians are giving 2%. What's going on with us? What? what where are we at? What's going on here? What's going on here? Are we insecure people? I hope not. A couple other stats. We give more to take care of our pets than we do to the local church. Nationwide. I love pets, but we got to let our pets know who's Lord, Jesus, (laughs) okay? We got to say, hey, we love you. Come here, one more, yeah, lick my face, but Jesus is Lord. He's first. We got to lead our pets to Jesus, okay? We got to say, hey, I love you, but you need to make Jesus Lord if if there's hope of of dogs being in heaven, okay? Half the people that go to church in the U.S. don't give a dime. Can I tell you something? I'm going to anyways. About about 15 years ago, I had someone who was a part of our church. He helped start it. And I'll never forget, he came up to me and said, hey, this is how I want to give to the church. And this was a person of, apparent by the eyes, great wealth. And he told me how he wanted to give to the church. And I've, of course, I'm, I'm not, I not—I don't love conflict, so I didn't say anything. I just said, thank you. But I walked away and I thought, wow, he, a very wealthy person, figured out a way to give to the church and did not cost him anything. I thought, wow, here you are, you, you've got, you own those and that, and you just came to me and said, I figured out a way I can help you and it won't cost me a dime. I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, Ugh. you know why? You know why? Because the scripture says that we, we should not give anything to God that doesn't cost us. King David, Jesus' great-great-grandfather said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. It isn't a sacrifice if it doesn't cost me. Then another guy. I thought of very recently in the last month as we're in this mission season. Another guy, I've known this guy for 21 years and I heard something about him. I heard that he was the largest donor at the last church I was at, Adventure of Roseville. We built that huge auditorium off Stanford Ranch Road. We tried to raise... I think it was 7 million. We ended up raising like 4.9 for the down payment. <clears throat> but the person that that I know gave I was told about 7.5% of that balance of 4. Point something million. And I know him because he's a fellow pastor and we're good friends. We always, he always puts me down for I was the youth pastor and he always says you were paid more than me. We kid about it. And geez, it was just fun. It really is. I mean that. And I asked him, I called him in August or September because I wanted to know what did God? I wanted to talk to you about this. And I said, listen, I don't I don't want a number, but I've been told you gave a substantial gift. And I want to know what did God do <sighs> through you, for you? What happened? And he said, "Well, it's true." Why, like, dude. He said we liquidated our whole retirement at age 50, by the way. <laughs> How you doing? And I said, "What did God do?" He said the same thing he's done for me my whole life. He provided. He said, "You know, we've just been able to pay our home off recently. But ever since I was a missionary in Africa and, and ever since I was a Um, and when I was a pastor, God's always provided. See, he said, Scott, here's the deal. I didn't give the the money to the pastor. I gave the money to Jesus. And I'm like, I'm struggling to drive. I'm like, like, dude, that is so awesome. Would you give me permission to share the story? He said, sure. Does the fear of not having enough hinder your willingness to give generously? Gosh, I think you got it. I think you've got to answer the question. Who's the giver of your life? Who are you hoping will increase your talents, your relational circles, your professional skills? It's it's God, isn't it? Don't withhold to the gift giver. Don't do it. By the way, the first story I gave you, he, he, he about lost everything. He about had to declare bankruptcy. Be careful. Number three, do you have money in the bank but no peace in your heart? No peace. Uh Uh-uh. Got lots of money. I'd probably have more more peace if I had... Number four, how hard is it for you to do the right thing when it's going to cost you financially? How hard is it? You know, <clears throat> yeah. How hard is it? So here's, what, here's the takeaway today. Here's the takeaway. We're about done in case you're near uh, cardiac um, <laughs> panic, uh, freak out, like what, the, what was this? Okay, if you're there. I wasn't going to cuss there, by the way. I don't cuss. I don't, I don't do that. <clears throat> here's, here's the take home. Here's the main idea. I had to save it for the end because if I told you early, I'd have lost you. Here's the take home. This is what I want you to talk about at brunch or lunch today. Here, here is, we're going to read it together. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. That's it. When your kids come to you and say, Dad, are we rich? You say, oh, we are rich. We're rich. We are rich. Go home, in fact, and tell your kids, we're rich. And they'll look at you like, What? Hey, I need to tell you, kids, we're rich. Are we really? Yeah, what happened? We're rich. Say it again. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Yeah. That's where I want you headed. And it's going to be necessary because we've decided we want to buy this building. You're going to have to trust in God as we go forward. <clears throat> Our leadership has determined that we have an opportunity to buy this building that would be prudent. Here's the math. Math guys, who are the math guys? Who's the math guys? Here's the math guys. Here we go. Just three math people out there? My word. Okay, here's the deal. This building, we can buy for three million. According to my friends that are city planners and architects, to build this building, assuming you own the land, would cost you over $8 million. We get to buy it for three. We think that's good math. Is that good math? That's 5000000 million, isn't it? Was that five? Yeah. This building would sell today for $4.2 We get to buy it for three. We think we should. The other option, if we don't, if we don't buy the building, <clears throat> the other option is for us to lease the building in about three years, we can renew our lease for an exciting lease of $27,000 a month. That's more than half of our giving a month. How many of you like to give half your paycheck to your mortgage? We don't either, strange coincidence. And so what we want to do is put $1.5 million down on this building so that our monthly expenses are $9,600 a month. That's approaching a 20% facility operation portion of our budget that's good for a business okay for an organization and here's you might think 1.5 million dollars impossible not going to happen actually it's quite simple we have 325 people that give to adventure annually if those 305 would give over and above their regular giving at 129 dollars in three years we would meet our goal That's doable. Okay? Very doable. And so we're asking adventurers to do in 2018 what we did in 2009. You know what we did in 2009? 2009? We we were at Heron School, and we decided in the midst of a poor economy, you remember that? Great recession? We're going to raise money for a building we don't even see. And for three years, adventurers gave over and above their regular giving based on the principle of Haggai, the prophet. That if you put God's house first, he will put your house first. Read that that short little letter. We did it, and we raised, in 2009, only 300 people. That counts the tiny tots. We raised $530,000. No gimmicks, no sales, just folks that believed that God was the provider of their stack. Straight up. That's how it happened. And so, what we're going to ask adventurers to do this season is the same to give over and above their regular giving with the wholehearted conviction that God is the talent loaner, God is the stack builder, that it's all from Him. And to sacrifice, which means to Sacrifice something you love for someone you love more. Jesus. So that we can continue to multiply hope here and have more space for children and grandchildren and students and maybe dance halls. I don't know what we're going to do, but we have lots of opportunity here. So we think it's prudent. We want to go for it. And this is what we're asking you to do. We're asking you, to pray. We think that the most important habit during this season is prayer. And so we've provided prayer calendars. How many of you have gotten a prayer calendar? Raise your hand. Awesome. For those that you who haven't, go out to the information desk say, give me a prayer calendar and pray with us every day through November. And then on November the 11th, that weekend, we're going to ask you to make a financial confidential commitment over the next three years some of you might be thinking this is my first sunday here i I apologize if this is your first (laughs) sunday here okay i really do okay however i don't apologize for engaging with you on that which is the number one competitor for your heart i do not apologize for that because i was raised in california I get the I get the ickiness of this issue living here. I'd like to retire here. Anybody else? <laughs> yes, in more than a trailer. Okay, okay, <laughs> all right. So on the 11th, I'm going to ask you to make a financial commitment over the next three years. And here's here's why prayer is so important. When you and your spouse or you and your friend come on that Sunday, you might you might want to be there that Sunday. Some of you are thinking, Oh, weird. That's going to be a Tahoe weekend for our family. Yes, <laughs> okay. When you're here that weekend, I want you and your spouse to have prayed through it. Or you and your friend to have prayed through it. So that one person doesn't write down a number and the other's like, what? And you have a big old spat here in the service. We just don't want that. <laughs> this week, I want all of you to come to our Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday night vision events. We'll have child care. You'll get the time here in just a moment. I want you to come to one of those events this week. And there's going to be dessert there. There's going to be some country music there. And I'm going to answer any questions you have. Okay? This, by the way, this, this mission has been, the, the, the why of this mission has had very little pushback. I mean, folks are in. It's just been a, a real um, sweet communication. Finally, I want you to reflect on God's grace and how he wants you to excel in the grace of giving. I shared this a few weeks ago. I think it's very important to remember that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, since you have excelled in faith and in love and in perseverance, you need to excel in the grace of giving. We all need to excel here, myself included. It's an area to grow in personally. So let's go back to where we started. Which way are you leaning? Are you leaning into putting your hope in riches or your hope in God? The one who's blessed us with all the talent, blessed us with all the abilities. Which way are you leaning? Let's. I would like to ask those servers who are ready to serve communion, would you please position yourself? In just a moment, we're going to read this together. And I want to ask firstly... Are all those that are here today, of all those that are here today, is there anyone who's never had a relationship with God?